0: Hi, I'm Talissa. And I'm Rachel. And this is Transatlantic Crime, a true crime podcast that covers stories from each side of the pond. Every week, we will both cover a separate story with a running theme.
1: Disclaimer, this podcast will contain swearing and details that some people may find offensive. If you are of a sensitive disposition, listener discretion is advised. Welcome Welcome to 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 Transatlantic Crime. Crime.
0: (laughs) Same place.
1: How are you, Rach?
0: Um, I'm doing, doing okay. Okay. How about
1: you? Yeah, me too. It's like I don't know, like January lockdown. Don't get paid for another ten days. So yeah. poor. Like it's just like hideous. But on that note, uh, we have a new patron. Oh. I don't know if you saw. I said I sent you a text. Yeah. Um, so Jesse Jesse Bourne, and I think she's American because her payment came through in dollars. Okay. So um have you got the stickers i sent you no,
0: not yet did send them <laughs> i've been like eagerly checking the mail every day like christmas
1: walking to your mailbox yeah. all you've got to do um and also like i was in a rush that day so i haven't put any nice note in it or anything it's literally just the stickers <laughs> and the fucking postcards you're <laughs> so gonna open it and be like cheers mate <laughs> thanks yeah so i've got a few things a few orders of business to go through as well so you know, I mentioned that I was seeing a guy who used to work for the Liberal yeah. Democrats, and we tried to explain,
0: like, who they right. were. Something about Right. Heesh. So
1: basically, <laughs> <laughs> if Keesh <should> a chance, <laughs> which I still haven't put up on the thing, and I will, but basically, right, Ruth reminded me that I voted for them one year when I was at university because they came out with a promise that they would abolish university Mm. fees. And much like the American um, uh, system, you have to get an amount of seats to win, like in each county. And um, the Conservatives didn't get enough seats to win on their own. And the Conservatives, like the Republicans, like Boo. And Labour definitely didn't get enough to win. So they had to do a coalition Which I don't think you, which you don't have in America, but basically it's got, they can join, they can join together those two parties and make a government, form a government. So the Lib Dems formed a coalition with the conservatives, which is like, makes no sense whatsoever. (laughs) Like it's because they're completely different parties with completely different shit. And then Ruth was like, that's why no one likes them anymore. I was like, oh yeah, I remember now. Yeah. And I never voted for them again. Yes. Um, and that man that I'm seeing, he's like really proud of this correction corner oh, that he's okay. given. <laughs> so I, I said I'd read it out. Basically, I said that there's a song when Labour won the fucking, what's it called? Yeah. Election. And um, they had a song that was like, things can only get better.
0: And it was really good. Yeah, you said that about Tony, Tony Blair. And, uh, that was his song, right?
1: Yeah, that was, like, his, like, fucking fight right. song. <laughs> like, I said that Take That sang it, and Alex was like, no, D. Ream oh. sang it. I was just like, okay. Clearly. <laughs> so, let's, not, <laughs> let's not give Gary Barlow, that tax-dodging cunt, any more, <laughs> any more um, credit than he's due. Gar-
0: Gary Barlow <laughs> so, is yeah. dodging taxes? I didn't know that. I really have to yeah. keep up with the, yeah, yeah. the celebrity gossip of the UK. <laughs>
1: but take that, noob. <laughs> it was a while ago that he did it, but he fucking oh, did. Piece wow. of shit. Anyway, pay taxes. Sorry, I've got so much to get through, and I feel like I'm just, like, boring you. But I, do, I I have t- one. I swear to God, this is all I good. I
0: have one note that I just remembered. Yeah? So, a listener and relative of mine, Sally... <laughs> <laughs> yeah she sent me and she's a patron isn't she yeah thank you sally yeah she sent me uh, a package and i wasn't expecting it guess what it had in it dog shit (laughs) (laughs) i don't know bakewell tarts like three packs of bakewell tarts oh yeah
1: she's so cute (laughs) yeah that's amazing and they are so good i've been
0: enjoying them i was like on the night that I got them, we had dinner and I was like, oh, I really want some dessert. And we didn't have anything. And then I went and checked the mail yeah. and opened it. And there were three packs of baked <gasps> tarts and it was perfect.
1: Three yeah. packs as well. And <laughs> they're so sugary that like they would last a thousand they're, years. Like they'd never they never go are.
0: off. <laughs> they're so sugary. And I ate them and then I went to bed and I was awake for like three hours just laying in bed. And I was like, why am I awake? And I realized it was because I had, like, two or three Bakewell tarts. <laughs> you just
1: yeah. binged. <laughs> yeah, they're so fucking good, though. Carly made brownies, actually. Like, Ooh. not not like hash brownies, just regular what? ones. <laughs> and,
0: like, uh, who gets on, mixed on, up on on the, when you say on the... brownies? I never think of hash Well, brownies. apparently,
1: <laughs> me neither. But then apparently, like, my mum was like... On the family group, Carly put a picture of the brownies that she made, and my mum was like, oh, I hope they're not like hash brownies.
0: <laughs> and
1: we were like, why did your brain go there? <laughs> you fucking stoner. <laughs> <laughs> my God. It was like, no, Georgie, it's no. Like if
0: you, if you bake then, like, brownies and you're under 40, then automatically they're hash brownies. <laughs> I was like,
1: no. And then I put a gif of Snoop Dogg. <laughs> like, <laughs> and she didn't get oh, that either. What? Um, she just ignored me. She thinks like, she's down with the kids. She's not. So me and you had a conversation about would, if you had to go into prison, would you rather stick something uh, up your ass yeah. or your fanny?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Or, or swallow it. I said, it. Fan- I said it.
1: fanny or yeah. swallow it. Yeah. So I've got a friend, Jess, and she's a doctor. Okay. And she said, as a doctor, can I please ask that you shove things up your fanny and not your ass? Because we have loads of people coming in <laughs> with stuff up their ass and we have to get it out. And she was like, we have like repeat offenders uh, that like keep no. coming in.
0: <laughs> what are they putting up there? Like a cucumber? Like what? I don't no, know. That would be easy to get out. i going to have to be something hard. Uh, would it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm gonna have to ask her i didn't why didn't i ask her like what but i will but apparently um yeah she uh said that they keep doing it and coming back <laughs> they have to get it oh out she's gosh. like i suppose it's cheaper than a sex worker like because then you get like double your money <laughs> you put it out there and someone else has oh to get it out gosh. but anyway well it's cheaper in have the
0: nhs and it's it's free <laughs> yeah, that's true. No. <laughs> yeah. Although my friend is an EMT, and he, they have like repeat offenders—not of people putting things up their butt, but repeat offenders of people who want to be driven in an ambulance to the hospital.
1: Why? I, I don't
0: know. I think I don't know. It's just,
1: just time uh, wasters. Yeah. yeah. Which is like I've heard I read
0: that. the other day that if you get a helicopter, or no, if you have to stop a plane. Like if you're having a baby on a plane or like you have a medical emergency on a plane it costs 15 grand mm-hmm. for them to get the plane down and like get you medical emergency uh oh my God. medical assistance. So it's like a fine.
1: I just birth it on the <laughs> yeah, plane. But like
0: <laughs> totally. it's the same with ambulance here like the ambulance costs money. You get charged an ambulance fee if you're driven in an ambulance. But
1: what happens if you can't afford it? Then you
0: are you just don't in pay debt. it. <laughs> <laughs> Procedures here. If you can't afford it, then you're just you owe it. You're in debt. Yeah,
1: it's on the layer yeah. base.
0: Um,
1: but <laughs> okay. Oh, um, why did I
0: bring that up? Oh, it's because I want people to write in if if they if they work in the prof- in the medical professional industry. I want you to ask your yeah. friends what kind of things they have. to...
1: <laughs> what have you pulled yeah. out of an ass lately? <laughs> I'll ask her. Yeah. I will after this after this recording. I'll. And I'll any answer. other
0: medical um, professionals. She also, if they want to write in and let us know, I would love. I'm to, very curious I'd love to find out.
1: <laughs> yeah, very curious indeed. She also said that you know we said antifreeze is yes. sweet. You said that in your story, yes. didn't you? in our Poisoner episode last week, Jess, the doctor, also said that in England, we add a disgusting taste to antifreeze to stop dogs and cats, like, licking it up oh, the wow. floor, and to stop, like, people poisoning one yeah. another, and she said that the, and this is, like, a, I'm doing a quote now from Jess, as an <laughs> F1, I don't know what that means, I just copy <laughs> and pasted it, um, I was, sent, I was sent out at 3 a.m. to buy the biggest bottle of decent vodka I could find to pour down someone's nasogastric tube who chugged a ton of antifreeze because that's the antidote. It's pure alcohol.
0: What?
1: Yeah, apparently. I haven't Googled it, but she's not a liar. <laughs> so,
0: <like>. That's crazy. <laughs> Sounds mad though, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So if you think, if yeah, you think someone's um, poisoning you with the antifreeze, just get drunk. On vodka
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> so um some people wrote some lovely things on Facebook about Aww. us this week. Really, really sweet, like brought a tear to my eye. So um Samantha Browning wrote Happy Christmas. This was mm. a while ago, obviously I but I missed it. Um, thank you for being the highlight to my Monday, being half Dutch, half British person that now lives in mississippi you bring some of my worlds together it's good to hear about places i knew i know and grew up around as well as places of my new home you are the first podcast i listen to on monday mornings to get my week started thank you so much thank you how fucking nice i know
0: thanks for listening and then
1: um we love you too i can't believe that people bother (laughs) Cheers! And the other um, thing on Facebook was a lady called Sasha Black who said, "I love you girls so much. I'm an Australian living in the US. It would be amazing if you did an Aussie, Aussie episode, so you could cover an American and an English person who had committed a crime down under." Oh, just saying, I like
0: that idea.
1: So that's, I think that's quite. So do I, and like no one's ever suggested it before. So maybe we could like shoehorn that in some yes, point. Yes,
0: we will.
1: Yes. And the last thing I want to tell you about is I had a smear test this week, <laughs> <laughs> right? I had it on Tuesday and it like fucked my oh, whole man. week. how are
0: you <laughs> feeling? Those are not enjoyable. I
1: just, no. And the nurse who did it was like really young and she was really young and sweet. So basically I knew it was on Tuesday, but I've got such a shit memory that I asked like, Four people to text me and be like get up for your smear test because it's at 10 10- why did I book it for 10 past 9 on a Tuesday I do not know the woman said this is when you can have it and I just went yeah don't book a smear test in no. the morning it fucks yeah. the rest of your day <laughs> like, I know. do it latest as I you
0: remember can. <laughs> I did it I did it in the middle of my di- like work day like I went on my in the afternoon on my lunch and then I came back to work and I was like no uh, it's all you can think about for the rest of the day like <laughs> <laughs> it feels like someone's touched yeah. your soul <laughs> like i can't concentrate. it's really on horrible
1: <laughs> like, I've re- i can really feel my yeah. cervix right now <laughs> so like basically because it's covid it's really strict so um you have to like buzz it you have to buzz to be let in and you buzz and the receptionist is like Um, have you got an appointment? AKA, if you haven't, fuck off. So I was like, yeah, I do. Um, It's a 10 past nine with the nurse, blah, blah, blah. She was like, okay. And then, so I went and sat in and there was like three chairs that had like fucking hazard tape around them. So that like everyone sat like two meters apart. And um, while I was there, like every fucking five minutes, the buzzer was like, and the the receptionist was Polish. (laughs) She was like really fucking just, blunt she was basically like went hello have you got an appointment and they went uh yeah whatever she was like well you're too early so just wait out there like it was raining (laughs) so anyway i'm sat in there and i'm just doing like the thing you do in the doctor's office which is where you don't look at anyone you don't talk to anyone you just sit there quietly and wait for your name to be called wrong for me (laughs) so it was 20 minutes late right and i was like do you know what i'm not complaining obviously the nhs is really under the cosh at the moment but then this guy came in and he obviously has like learning difficulties or something and he was talking to the receptionist like the Polish receptionist who was just like (laughs) cutting him down like like a motherfucker and then i was like please don't talk to me please don't talk to me please don't talk to me like i'm just i'm just not in the mood like and the later it got, I got like more sweaty and yeah. nervous for the test. <laughs> I was just, is awful. And then like he started talking to me, and he went, "Oh, are they," because I've got tattoos on my wrist of music notes. He was like, "Are they music notes on your wrist?" I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> and he was like, "I was like, yeah." And he went, "Oh, what, what do you play then?" I went, "Guitar." And he went, "Do you play acoustic guitar or?" Or bass guitar or electric guitar I went acoustic and then I just started looking at my phone like it was like the Magna <laughs> Carta like just like I didn't want him to talk to me Aww,
0: poor and guy. then like
1: I know like and everyone was ignoring him like he went hi Mary to the receptionist like another receptionist walked in mm. nothing I mean, she's obviously I think he must be a regular because yeah. he just is used to ignoring the Aww. shit out of him when I got called in she was like "Talixa Stevens Aww. I was like yes <laughs>
0: fine. Sure. (laughs) Whatever. That's me, I guess. (laughs)
1: Sure. (laughs) Sure, that'll do. Um, So then, like, I went in, and um, she was like, oh, I'm really sorry it's taking so long. Like, we don't have... The computer's gone down, and so we're using paper to, like, write everything down. And so, you know, like, you go behind the little screen, and you take, like, your bottom half of your clothes off, and then, like, put a bit of paper over your fanny, so you don't have to, like, stare at it (laughs) while they're staring at it. (laughs) Like... And for some reason, I was like, "Yeah, gosh, she went, yeah, yeah, no, you don't um, realize like how much um computers help, do you?" And I went, "You know, that's why they didn't catch the Yorkshire Ripper." And she was like, "What? <laughs> like, how did I how did I mention a like, crowbar?" Immediately, that in? So I was, immediately, oh. I was like stop, stop talking. <laughs> I went, "Yep, yeah, they had so much paper in the room that they had to um." They had to reinforce the room basically, Um, and that's why they didn't catch the Yorkshire Ripper. And she was like, "Oh, thanks." Okay. (laughs) And I was like, "Stop talking about the Yorkshire Ripper." Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. Have you seen that news on uh, Army Hammer? Oh my
1: god. Yeah. Yeah. So I posted about on the socials like, it's fucking grim.
0: It's serious. Okay, so I think you
1: probably have to explain for people that don't know.
0: Okay, so basically the actor Army Hammer, who was in Social Network and Call Me By Your Name. I don't, like, I don't
1: know him. Like, I don't recognize him. I don't think I've seen that. I've seen those films, but I just don't, yeah.
0: What else was he in? The Man from Uncle... He's got rich Um, parents, though, right? I don't know. I don't know about that. But earlier this... This past 2020, he split up from his wife and a lot of people didn't know why. And it was like in LA too, he was known, he was rumored to like join all the dating apps. Right. So, <laughs> so that was like the first part of it. And then the second part of it is, it just came out like a week ago that he's... A fucking he's, weirdo. Uh, a weirdo and abusive and he likes... Uh, People are calling. He has like cannibal. F- to put he has on
1: cannibal one. fantasies. He messaged a girl, yeah. being like, "I want to cut your rib out and like eat it," and like uh, said, "like yeah. I want to cut you and like drink the blood and shit." And
0: I was reading his texts, and of all the stories that we've read on this podcast, Melissa, <laughs> I did not feel as physically. sick. I know as reading he also attacks. said
1: i've cut the heart out of a live animal and eaten it while it was still beating
0: yeah okay on yeah. that note i know that that is a tradition for hunters is like, it like yes it's the first i think it's the first deer that you kill that's fucking
1: gross stop um, it
0: it's tradition to as soon as you kill it you go up and you pull the heart out and you eat it that's what it's the like fuck a tradition. But it sounds like for him, he... Sexually
1: him. enjoyed it.
0: And it's only, you're only supposed to do it once. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to do it like every time. Or to a an
1: human, animal, but... which is what he also sounded like he wanted to do.
0: That's And that's why I bring it up, because some people were like... He's well known as like... He posts a lot of pictures of like cutting meat on his Does Instagram. He? and Yeah, he told a story on some late night show about how he went to a restaurant and asked for the steak and it was almost raw or something and and the waiter was really impressed by how cleanly he cut the meat off the he bone. freaks me out yeah i've seen all these comments and it was like he definitely has not just done this to an animal like is he a serial killer is has he done like, something also <laughs> to <laughs> someone or multiple we're, people? We're... but he has done things to women but like, bdsm
1: he's really into bdsm anything. and stuff being like a dom,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Basically, we were talking about it on like the girl chat, and everyone was like, "Has everyone seen this? It's fucking gross." And my mate, I won't name her, but she was just like, "That's just kink shaming." We're like, "No, it isn't." <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? This she doesn't is too listen to the <laughs> but the like two of my well, mates do, so it... I think we could all say that is not kink shaming. <laughs> that is.
0: Yeah, and the whole reason that it came out, like, yeah, it's okay if you're into that kind of kink. Is it though? Each to their own, but it, I mean, it it's all about consent. So the person that has leaked a lot of the messages was like, he went further than consent. He did more than, he always like pushed yeah. the boundaries and you're supposed to have a safe word that's like the, the most sacred yeah, part yeah. of it. And one of his messages was like, I'm not going to... I'm going to go past the safe word. I'm not even going to listen to it. And it's like, that's a big no-no in that community.
1: I just think writing yeah. the words down, I want to cut your rip off and eat it, it's just like, take a long, hard look at yourself in the mirror. Come on.
0: Yeah. There's each uh, to their own. I, did, I saw some comedians tweet on like... It was about kink shaving, and it was like, Army Hammer likes eating brains. I like butterfly kisses. Each to their own. Don't shame.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I... Don't, like, you know, there's the whole kink-shaming thing, and that's fair enough, and I don't think you should. Like, everyone has their their weird thing that they like, but don't make it eating people. Like, it's illegal. Like, your kink is illegal.
0: So many other choices. It doesn't have to be that. that.
1: Yeah, but that is serial killer fucking behavior. Like, did you watch that amazing documentary? It's on Now TV in England. I don't know what channel you'd find it on Mm -hmm. in America, but it's called, like, The Cannibal Cop thought police or something and it's about a kind of kind of similar story where the guy basically like his wife finds loads of messages that he's done on like message boards being like i want to kidnap a woman and eat her i want to like roast a woman and eat her and stuff
0: right the whole documentary the argument is like he didn't actually do any of these things
1: well that we know of about it it's like, and me and Carly were talking about it, and she was like, you can't put someone away for a crime that they might do. And I'm like, he really seems like he might do something, though.
0: <laughs> it's like threatening someone. Like, you, you can get in trouble for threatening yeah. just because you didn't kill someone. But if you're knocking on someone's door every day saying, I'm going to kill yeah. you, then <laughs> you're still talking about it, and you haven't like, done it, so... Okay. <laughs>
1: I was just so, like, aghast. And Carly was like, yeah, people, people think weird shit. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, like it's, it doesn't phase some people whatsoever, that story. It really disturbed me. Do you know what? I'm going to watch that cannibal uh, cop documentary, I think, tonight. He does get, like, arrested in it for something. Because he, he ends up living at his mum's with, like, a tag on. How embarrassing, right. though! What is it? Let me look. How it embarrassing out. for that to all come out for somebody to know that that's what you like, somebody and, to know that's what you think.
0: Well, you're a cop too. Why do why do there have to be so many weird? And there dogs?
1: has to be like it oh, in it as well. I think it's because he had like kidnap fantasies and he spoke about a girl okay. that exists.
0: Yeah, he was arrested. After his wife discovered he was spending time in internet chat rooms describing detailed plans to abduct, torture, rape, and cannibalize women.
1: Oh, that shouldn't Uh, be anyone's thing! He described
0: them... No, he described them as mere fantasy. The case drew widespread attention for its unusual nature. He was dubbed the cannibal cop. And because of the legal issue of whether describing criminal activities crosses the line into criminal intent. He was convicted for conspiracy to kill. yes
1: out. yeah because he said he was it was one of his wife's friends oh my god like lately so many things have happened where i'm like you don't know who you're sleeping next to that i'm just freaked the fuck out <laughs> like i've got i've got people i know who like shall remain nameless but like their partner like they found out they basically just had a whole secret life that they didn't know about mm. and it all came out because she found one piece of paper like they've wow. been together for like 10 years and like another person was with someone for like 25 years. And again, a very close friend. And now their husband believes in QAnon and all the QAnon theories. And right. it's like, what the right. fuck? That. Can people stop being I mental? Know.
0: It's, I don't know. Like what, what know. would you do? I like believe. if
1: Will just it's... was like, yeah, I believe in QAnon, like probably leave him.
0: <laughs> I would up our therapy <laughs> sessions. <laughs>
1: get him a lobotomy <laughs> make him yeah. easier to I'd handle like,
0: you're getting help or <laughs> I don't know I think when you're with someone too it's like if they start developing a problem or something I don't know it's hard when you're in it you want to be like you'll get out of it or you're do- doomed you can get help or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't think like okay I'm well done I do because... that's
1: why I have. that's why I'm not <laughs> That's why like. That's why you're married, <laughs> and I'm oh, I'm like that later days. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, we can fix this. Come on, <laughs> I'm joking.
0: But yeah, but that's that's also the downfall of it. It's like when you love someone, it's hard to to see the full picture. Yeah. sometimes you
1: forgive a lot of stuff, I suppose.
0: But if it was QAnon, I'd I'd probably start getting an, an exit plan from. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Getting a, get a secret bank account in order yeah um okay well we've covered that covered the weird rib-eating man we've
0: covered a lot <laughs> we're not even into yeah. the story yet
1: <laughs> right okay you're first um, this week I think Rach
0: so this week our theme is sports murders. now
1: I have to admit I was a little bit out of my depth on this one
0: were you? I wasn't sure how how easy it was.
1: Uh, well, I was gonna do um the Hillsborough disaster, but then I thought it's January, and that was the most one of the most horrible things to ever happen in England. I was like, people don't need that like, oh. <laughs> basically, it was a sporting event where loads of people got crushed to death. I can't remember oh. why, but um it's, okay. there's been some convictions recently about it, but um yeah, I Asked Alex's advice, and he was like, "People don't need that right now." <laughs> I was like, "I agree."
0: That's why I'm I'm really dreading the school shooting episode yeah. that we do because I'm like, I don't know. We, should move, <laughs> right we should
1: move that. I think we should move that.
0: We keep moving it. We keep moving. Just it, don't want to like, do it.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe we should just we should swap that out for the suggestion of the Australian one. There's some
0: yeah, fucking I like that
1: great idea. ones that I could do because loads of English people go traveling in Australia and then there's been some horrible yeah. crimes.
0: Yeah. I don't know what I would do for that, but I'm in, I'm excited to do some research. See, again,
1: that. right, there's, you know, the same people that do um, small town murder that I really like. They do another podcast called yeah. Crime in Sports. So if you yes. like that, then listen to that podcast because that's really good. I really right. enjoy that one too, but I don't know anything about sports. And also there's loads of mental sports people in America and there's like barely any here. <laughs> like this is so unfair again.
0: <laughs> you know, you can start moving to like the rest of Europe. Can that's I? Okay. I feel like I'm cheating. You need to. Yeah. <sighs> well, no, cause I've done, have I done Canada? I've definitely done Mexico. I'm doing the whole continent, so you're allowed to do that too.
1: But I'm going to try and stick to the rules, but if, yeah, if I can't, then I'm just going to have to bend them a little bit. I'm looking forward to yours. It's going to be obviously mad.
0: Well, I love sports. Do you? So I really love going to games. I love playing games. I just don't like watching them on TV. I don't mind watching
1: rugby because I understand the rules because my brothers played all through their youth i love love rugby rugby. i had to stand on the sidelines in the freezing cold also they only play rugby in fucking sub-zero temperatures like if it's spring if it's a spring day they're like nah
0: (laughs) if it's a beautiful day it's like no this is not no thanks so yeah i
1: used to stand in the fucking freezing cold like stands and watch them with a hot chocolate it was really really good
0: i played rugby in in wales
1: you played rugby
0: yeah, in Wales, they do like this thing called Sevens. I think it's not tag
1: it's rugby, called. is it? Is it like non contact?
0: No, it was like yeah, yeah. real it's rugby. Diff-
1: just different rules to regular
0: It was not tag. Yeah. And it was really fun. I loved it. I loved it a lot. And I, it's really big in Wales. Yeah, they think so they're great at rugby. It was hard not to get into <laughs> it. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> uh,
1: they're not that great. I remember like yeah. my brother, because uh, he loves rugby. Like, was watching, like, England versus Scotland, and he was like, I wish they could both lose.
0: <laughs> Great. I love it. Um, but this this week, my story is about basketball, Ooh. which I also yeah? used to play. Uh, okay, let's get into it. I don't have a title this week. Make one up. Oh, okay. What should I make up? No, I don't have time. Okay. <laughs> okay. On a warm summer day in June 2003, Waco, Texas police began searching for 21-year-old Patrick Dennehy. Dennehy was reported missing on June 19th after his parents were concerned that they did not receive a phone call from him on Father's Day and when his roommate, Chris Turk, returned home from being away for five days and noticed that Dennehy's dogs had not been fed. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, me too. Poor dogs. Although it was only five days, so... I'm surprised they didn't start eating each other.
1: Like, Yeah.
0: (laughs) Dogs would do that. There were pit bulls as well. I'm sure they were starving. Yeah. Dennehy was reportedly last seen by Turk on June 11th, and he had also spoken to his girlfriend that night, 20-year-old Jessica De La Rosa. So who was Patrick Dennehy? Patrick Denehy was originally from Santa Clara, California, where he was a star athlete throughout elementary and high school. At six foot ten, Jesus, he was a standout basketball player at St. Francis High School in Santa Clara. When Dennehy graduated, he attended the University of New Mexico, playing for their basketball team, the Lobos. You know what that is?
1: Bring back Sheriff Lobo! <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. No. Lobos is wolf in Spanish. That's
1: cool.
0: Yeah. So Dennehy played two successful seasons as New Mexico's top starter. And then he accepted a scholarship to play for a better team at Baylor University in Waco, Texas. Playing for the Baylor Bears was and is a big deal. It is known to be one of the top sports universities and is part of the Big 12 conference which is like the top there's like 10 or 12 universities in america that are good at all different sports
1: okay oh and don't they always like give the really good sports people a scholarship even though they're stupid like some of them so say so you can come to our university like you can come to our university for free but you have to play for our team Yeah.
0: yeah yeah that's normal and it's not always like you don't have to be like amazing but a lot of people go to college here with a sports scholarship. Yeah, we don't. I don't think we really have that here. Well, no, that's because your university isn't thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah,
1: I suppose so. True.
0: Um, and it's a huge industry here because they play college sports on ESPN, and yeah. a lot of the college athletes go on to play in like the NFL and the. Uh, NBA and you know yeah that's where they do a lot of their recruiting
1: yeah have you seen outcry the documentary no
0: I don't think so you should
1: watch it it's about a guy who gets um he's an amazing football player and he gets a scholarship Mm. and then he gets accused of child abuse and goes to prison and like I won't ruin it but yeah it's amazing it's really good and it's it's kind of like explains like the whole if you're really good at sports, what college you go to and stuff. Systems. Yes,
0: yeah. Right. And you mentioned Crime and Sports, the podcast. Yeah. They did do an episode on this story. Okay. So if you want want to listen to theirs, I think they did it in like 2016 or something.
1: Well, good luck finding that.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> so he ended up going to Baylor University. In his first year on Baylor's team, he was red shirted which means that he wasn't eligible to play because he was drafted in the middle of the season. Okay. So he played with the team like in practices. Yeah. And he trained with them, but he wasn't able to play in actual games.
1: Is that just because it's unfair to the people who have trained the whole year? It's
0: just one of the, yeah, it's just one of the rules. I'm learning so
1: much today
0: (laughs) (laughs) about sports, (laughs) of which I know fucking zero. I actually really like this one because I am, I am reminded of so many like sports things. So I definitely like to do this again. Okay. Because it is interesting. Yeah. Um, so at the time of Dennehy's disappearance, he had a promising upcoming season. He was finally eligible to play in actual games. So that's what he was looking forward to. Yeah. Dennehy moved in with another Baylor student, Chris Turk and a fellow teammate and friend, Carlton Dotson Jr., Dotson had moved in with Turk and Dennehy after he had broken up with his wife. Dotson was another promising basketball player. He was six foot eight. Imagine what that apartment was like. Wouldn't Just... they have like
1: <laughs> <laughs> they have to like doctor the doors? <laughs> like, <laughs> I always think like a full size bed is like six foot uh, six foot, maybe a tiny and uh, maybe a tiny bit more. You would never yeah. fit in a
0: normal bed ever. No. Have you seen? There's a picture of Shaq's bed. You know the basketball. Yeah, Shaq. Yeah, it's like the size of a full room. Really, <laughs> it's huge. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's and just had, inconvenient. Like, he had it, like
0: custom made for him.
1: Well, I'm not surprised. Otherwise, you have to like curl up like a fucking little dog or something. It's like, gonna bed.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, he he's in this house with Carlton Dotson, and I don't know how tall Chris Turk was, but I'm sure he... That would be hilarious if he was, like, five foot. <laughs> nah. Uh, so, Dotson was another promising basketball player. He was starting to fail in both the game and in his personal life, though. He had separated from his wife, Melissa Kethley, after she claimed that he had changed. He started smoking marijuana and claiming that he was a prophet no, and that God was talking to him no. and giving him visions. It's
1: not. It's the weed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or other things. Yeah, sure drugs he will do, do more that. More than weed. <laughs> Yeah. Um, his wife, Kathlee, Melissa Kethley, moved back home with her parents after Dotson began physically abusing her. Oh, no. So that's where they were at. That's why Dotson moved in with Denehy and Chris Turk. Once Dotson had moved in with Turk and Denahi. The two became inseparable. Denny and Dotson went to parties, team workouts, and games together. They were known as fun loving and well mannered, but they were also becoming increasingly paranoid.
1: Smoke weed every day. <sighs>
0: <laughs> 2003, I think. When did that song come out?
1: Oh, it must have been like 1999.
0: Yeah, that's my guess. That what's,
1: your, what's your guess?
0: I think you're right. I'm
1: going to look it up.
0: Ninety nine. Okay,
1: that's my guess. You don't want to go for anything different.
0: I'm gonna say two thousand.
1: Uh, I can't find it. <laughs> well, I don't know what it's called, so I just typed in "Smoke Weed Every Day," which just isn't the name of the song. <laughs> what is the name of the song? Isn't it?
0: Na 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 na.
1: It's the motherfucking uh, I'm D or Double of the G. Words.
0: Snoop Dogg.
1: <laughs> <laughs> na 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 na. na. When I'm rapping with a <laughs> da, 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 Snoop Dogg motherfucker. <laughs> this is what people. I saw
0: Snoop Dogg once and he performed that song and it was fun. Really? Was he good? Yeah, he was good. He. I saw him in Ireland though and I don't. I think that people didn't like him. So. Oh, okay. The crowd wasn't that great. No. Uh, well, his... I saw him at a festival. So. It was yeah. Like, you know, when it was like jimmy eat world and green day oh and then God, snoop dogg. i love jimmy eat world like, that's not really <laughs> yeah <laughs> they were great too at that festival yeah but snoop dogg was not loved by the crowd
1: um we were way off i think because he's got two al- he's got two albums one called doggy style <laughs> which came out in 1993 and one called the dog father which came out in 1996 so i think well
0: that's that song isn't his song isn't it? No, it's Dr. Dre. Um, Wait, I'm finding out. I'm finding out.
1: Sorry, like you are literally just better at Google than me.
0: <laughs> the next episode. That's oh, it! It was released on June 26, 2000. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Did I say 1999? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm celebrating. <laughs>
0: close enough, though. Yeah, you were close. Close enough. So I'm sure that they were playing that song while they were going to parties and stuff. So am I. All right. So Dotson moved in with Denehy, They started partying. They were really close. Uh, And then a new member of the Bears basketball team, Harvey Thomas, had he just joined the team. Denehy had hosted him when he had visited the school a few months before. And once he joined the team, he started hanging out with Dennehy and Dotson. Thomas's cousin, Larry Johnson, would often join them when they went to parties as well. Okay. Dotson claimed that Johnson had threatened them at some point during a party. This is where it starts get, to get a little weird. he had also come home to the apartment one night, and the place had been ransacked and robbed. Uh, they stole $300. Dotson believed it to be Johnson and Thomas. Okay. he had shared with his friends, too, that... He shared with his friends, coaches, and girlfriend that he had felt threatened. And in my opinion, this is kind of what several articles implied. Dotson was kind of weird. You know, he thought that God was talking to him. I think that he was in Patrick Dennehy's ear a lot, being like, oh, people are robbing our place. or Yeah, it's a big weird uh, paranoid guy. Paranoid, exactly. And I think he was a really big influence on Dennehy. So Dennehy starts telling people, like his girlfriend, like, oh, I don't feel safe. Uh, He told his coach, uh, Dave Bliss, um, and Dave Bliss did not take it seriously. Bliss questioned Harvey Thomas, who was on the team, and and Harvey Thomas told him that Larry didn't even own a gun. So he just kind of passed it off as nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. So Dennehy and Dotson felt so afraid for their safety that they each bought a gun and began going to target practice at a friend's property.
1: No! Bad idea.
0: Yeah. So when Dennehy had disappeared on the night of June 11th, Dotson had also disappeared. Police brought in the FBI and questioned the whole team, Dennehy's girlfriend and friends. Harvey Thomas was heavily scrutinized by both police and Dennehy's friends and family, obviously because he told them about the whole story of feeling threatened. Mm. Coach Bliss also fell into hot water. He was caught on tape while they were searching for Dennehy, telling his team to say that Dennehy was selling drugs to pay for college. He did this because it came out later that Bliss was paying Dennehy's and another player's tuition and that they weren't playing under a scholarship as they thought. And this is a huge rule break. It's basically like if a coach sees a player on another team and is like, oh, that player's really good. He should play for our team. Yeah. He's basically like paying that person to come. And that's that's like a huge no-no in college. Sports, so you're then you're just paying for the player, and that player isn't under a scholarship or anything like that. Yeah, does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does, and I think like um, in crime and sports as well, I've heard them say that co- some coaches like because they're college players, they haven't got any money. The coaches yeah. will give them money. Or right. lend them money. And that's a
0: huge no no. Yeah. Right.
1: Like for not just for tuition, like for anything. Because they wanna keep yeah. they want to keep them sweet.
0: Right. And it, it came out later that that was going on a lot at Baylor with this specific coach. So, so that's properly, why he's Properly like threw him his... under
1: the bus then. <laughs>
0: yeah. It was just like so yeah. it was
1: just like sells drugs to kids, basically.
0: <laughs> right. He he basically said like, tell the police that Denehy was selling drugs to all the white kids. What? Yeah. That's what he told them to say. What prick. Dave Bliss was further investigated as it was found out that he had flown to New York to convince the other player. So it wasn't just Denehy, it was another player. He flew to New York to convince that player's mother to lie and say that she had paid the tuition. Bliss had also pretended to be that player's father when he called Baylor's financial office to ask about his tuition.
1: Dude, you're an idiot. Um, There's going to be a paper trail for all of this.
0: Yeah, and he just sounds sketchy AF. Yeah. So two months after Dennehy's disappearance, Bliss stepped down as coach, and despite the potential allegations of extortion, obstruction of justice, and witness tampering, no criminal charges were ever filed against him. So that's just kind of a side note of what also was going on. Yeah. And how he kind of messed up investigation by telling his team to lie
1: so yeah because the police then would have thought oh maybe he got into trouble with the drug dealing and like
0: right something happened yeah. there yeah when it, it didn't yeah so while that whole mess was going on police were also searching for Dotson in the week of Dennehy's disappearance Dotson reportedly visited visited his estranged wife at her parents home which was 1,200 miles away from Waco, Texas, in Virginia. So it's like. Stay away from me, Texas... you big abuser. <laughs> yeah. Texas is in the middle of the country. He drove 1,200 miles. That's further from what we drove from California to Grand, Grand Canyon. Canyon. It, it would take like <laughs> 12 hours. A day. Yeah. A whole day to drive. Yeah. 12 hours. I'm sure. like, yeah. Yeah. He got to his estranged wife's home. She told police that he was driving a 1996 Chevrolet Tahoe SUV, which was Dennehy's car. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, not very smart. Investigators found the car abandoned at a shopping mall in Virginia Beach with the license plate removed.
1: That's a red flag. Just leave yeah. it on. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you, you will know it's a car with no license plate immediately.
0: I know, it's, that's stupid, but it was abandoned. He's probably abandoned, high. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. He wasn't thinking. FBI and news outlets had caught up with Dotson in Maryland, which is just, it's the next state over from Virginia, uh, where he was heavily questioned. During those first few days of being questioned by the FBI, he told the Dallas Morning News that police asked him not to discuss the case and that he had learned of Dennehy's disappearance from Dennehy's girlfriend. So he was... Lying, hmm uh, And they could tell that he wasn't coming forth with all the information. Yeah. An informant came forward at this point saying that Dotson had admitted to his cousin that he shot Dennehy in <gasps> self-defense. His story was that they were at the shooting range when Dennehy pointed his unloaded gun at Dotson. Afraid, and probably a little uh, high and... <laughs> Uh, paranoid. Yeah. Dotson fired back with his gun, shooting Denehy in the head and killing him.
1: Well that he would have become a... like a new story in itself, so that's gotta be a lie. Man die famous basketball player dies at shooting range. They've got cameras it everywhere. Wasn't... Haven't they? Shooting no, ranges. no, this
0: was it wasn't like an official shooting range. It was oh, like a they... friend's property. Oh, they
1: tied a fucking target to a
0: tree. <laughs> Yeah. Oh exactly. right. Okay. Fair That's enough. What it was. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, the friend too was the person who's who sold dogs to the two friends. So, <laughs> sold dogs. Um, <laughs> yeah. I saw an interview with him, and he was like, "I'm not." He was very like loyal to both of them. Like, I'm not telling them anything. So. Mm. Um, Stitch snitches get stitches. I say. So. Yeah. So, yeah, Dotson fired back. He shot him, saying that it was self-defense. He left him in a gravel pit and drove to the east in Denahi's car. Dotson was arrested on July 21st out of a relative's home in Maryland.
1: I was going to say, uh, how the fuck do you get rid of a six-foot-eight body? Like <laughs> A regular body has got to be difficult enough.
0: <laughs> I know. I think they were on the outskirts of Waco. And also, Waco, Texas is like... It's very famous too for that the Branch Davidians, the Branch Davidians. So if you've seen any documentaries, you see that it's just like it's huge, right? Fields and yeah, and farmlands and lots of space.
1: You could start a big old cult and no one will bother you for quite some time, yeah, (laughs) until they do. And
0: you could (laughs) you could shoot a six foot ten basketball player and no one would find him, yeah. So on July twenty fifth which is a month after Dennehy was shot. Dennehy's body was found in a gravel pit outside of Waco. It was badly decomposed. Um, And they also said that uh, his head was not connected to his body, and there were a lot of salacious news reports that, like, Dotson decapitated him, but... That could be animal-like. Yeah, that's exactly what the police said. It was like, this wasn't it looks like it wasn't, um... Purposely done. It was probably animals. Yeah. That did it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the autopsy revealed that Denehy had died from two gunshot wounds to the head. His family held a memorial service for him on August 7th in San Jose, California. That doesn't sound very self defense No. Two shots to the head. <laughs> we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, Dotson was arrested. Trial was postponed for several years as Dotson was deemed unfit for trial and was sent to a state mental hospital. He had told FBI investigators during his confession that, amongst other things, he was Jesus, the son of God, and that people were trying to kill him.
1: Why is it always, when people go mad, they think they're God or Jesus? Like, why is it always religion-y? Like, they don't go, oh, I'm like, senior... Kong from the planet, whatever. Like, do you know what I mean? It's really, I find it like really weird that that's like be- a common it's theme.
0: Prob- I feel like it has something to do with narcissism. Yeah. And it also has something to do with if you were brought up in a religion, mm. that is maybe the easiest answer. Yeah, I suppose. I'm hearing voices. What is it? It's a higher power. Like, the, I yeah, think that's yeah. what you would go to. But if you start thinking that you're Jesus, you're not. That's it. <laughs> That's the <a> soundbite. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's like in France. <laughs> when Phoebe goes, that said that she had a school counsellor that said to her, Listen, you're not a witch, you're just a regular student. <laughs> <laughs> you're that school counsellor.
0: <laughs> That's it. That's the answer. You're not, okay? Get help. <laughs> So Dotson was put on antipsychotic medication and after several months he was marked fit for trial as long as he continued to take the medication. Yes. So a couple years go by, five days before the trial in June 2005, Dotson unexpectedly pled guilty for the murder of Patrick Dennehy. I think that his lawyers were probably going to go plead insanity Mm -hmm. uh, and then he just came out and wanted to plead guilty.
1: Like it gives you a lesser sentence
0: oh you mean for insanity
1: oh no i mean like if you plead guilty you get a lesser sentence and you don't have to go through a Mm. trial so the truth won't ever really come out if you don't want it to
0: yeah but i don't think that's why he did it because he still went through trial and everything oh okay Uh, it was said that dotson's mother had urged him to plead guilty yeah so i think he just felt guilty Uh, He had even agreed to plead guilty without a sentencing deal with prosecutors. So I think that kind of shows that he wasn't doing it for, like, a a deal or anything. Yeah. He still claimed self-defense, but court documents showed that the autopsy did not support a self-defense claim. The gunshot wounds were above his ear and towards the back of his head. (sighs) So he wasn't even looking at Dotson. No. No. Carlton Dotson Jr. was sentenced to 35 years in prison. The following year, he tried to appeal, but was denied as he had surrendered his right to appeal when he pled guilty. He is currently incarcerated in the John B. Connolly unit near Kennedy, Texas, and will be eligible for parole this year, 2021.
1: Wow. Well, you're coming out into a world that's pretty shit and basically prison anyway, so (laughs)
0: good for you. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) <laughs> the murder of Denehy and scandal involving Coach Bliss left Baylor University's basketball team in ruins, obviously. Several of the team's best players transferred to other college teams, leading them to success while Baylor's team floundered, losing a majority of their games th- for the next four years. A documentary was made in 2017 following the downfall of the team and the murder of Patrick Dennehy, and it's called Disgraced.
1: Ooh. And
0: that is is the story of the murder of Patrick Dennehy.
1: Very good, Rach. Thanks. I'm sure you had a lot to choose from.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, which which sport should I do? Yeah.
1: Um, what about... Uh, what? So what do you think happened? He's just fucking went mad and killed him.
0: Yeah, I think he was just really paranoid. And in one of the confessions, he said that Dennehy was, like, shooting cans and Dotson just started thinking like I don't I don't trust this guy I'm well like he, he could started... shoot me
1: any minute sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and then he said something like I'm sorry god and then shot him. Oh so, my god. Yeah, he I th- I think he was just too paranoid and had mental issues Yeah. so and he probably did feel like he was defending himself like some kind of self-defense but that was in his own mind there was no physical reason to believe that
1: some people just drugs do not mix well with their brain
0: right some people could be a trigger for something that you already have yeah
1: some people can smoke weed every day smoke weed every day and they're fine (laughs) Absolutely fine, but my ex boyfriend like started taking mushrooms like at the beginning of lockdown. Mm. He just went fucking crazy.
0: Mm. I
1: swear to God, it he just completely changed as a person. Wow! And I swear to God, that really does. I swear to God, that has something to do with us breaking up. Apart from the fact, yeah. from the fact, he was a prick. But still, like <laughs>
0: <laughs> that brought it out more.
1: Yeah, I feel like it really did. He used to smoke weed all the time, and then he started smoking weed more. And then he started doing mushrooms, and then he just—I was like, "Who the hell are you?" Totally yeah. a different person. So, don't do drugs, kids. It's not worth it. No. Um, don't
0: do it during lockdown when oh you my already god, stressed and feel weird anxieties anyway. My mental health
1: is on like a, on a fucking knife edge. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, I, and you're <laughs> not even like doing drugs. I'm not so doing any drugs it. at all.
1: <laughs> at all, I can't afford them for a start. <laughs> like, also, I'm uh, not yesterday, but like the past three days before that at 3 p.m. I had a break from my job and had a cry and a fag. <laughs> that was like mm-hmm. becoming my daily routine.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it really is. I, I can relate. I was just talking to my friend the other day about how everyone in the world is collectic- collectively, we all have trauma from this. Yeah, trauma. Some kind of trauma. Yeah, there's gonna be long lasting effects to it and I think some of it for me is gonna be like social anxiety yeah like I don't know how to talk to people anymore in the same room yeah like
1: e- you know yeah. even if like that mentally like you know, the learning disabled guy had, ta- had talked to me and I hadn't been in lockdown for like however many fucking nearly a year yeah I would have probably been like yeah sure I play guitar like I would have had a chat with him yeah but because I was like right. ah do talk to me <laughs> <laughs> human no yeah i was like no like i didn't want to talk to anyone and then
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I, I also got like went into asda afterwards and got really freaked out because like you know when you go in a shop but you don't buy anything mm-hmm. at, like a supermarket and then you have to go through yeah. the till but you haven't bought yeah. anything and I, I always feel like i'm stealing when i'm not right. i literally my words to this woman were how the hell do i get out of this place if i haven't bought anything <laughs> she was like <laughs> Oh sorry, I'll open the gate. I was <laughs> just like, let me out <laughs> really freaked out. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel
0: like that's a thing that's a thing that is happening. Like grocery store anxiety. Yeah, I don't want to like, go there. It's it's the one place where you have to go. And where you but, can
1: go, like without anyone having a fucking yeah. side eye at you.
0: <laughs> right. But everyone just feels weird when you go there and Oh god, it's just not a good feeling. I can feel it in my body
1: now. <laughs> the fear. Don't make me leave this house. But also, no. I want to get out of the house. Uh, yeah, but I'm scared.
0: Please, please, can I go to a rager for like five minutes and then feel okay and then come home? You mean like a rave? Feel safe. Yeah, like a big party. Is that what they call it? A rager a huge party. No, they call it raves, but I just meant like, like a huge party. Yeah, that I can leave whenever That's I a like. is. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, so I'm going to do my story. Um. All right. Right. So again, I'm. I don't know anything. So this is about soccer, or. Fo- okay. But I will be referring to it
0: football.
1: as as football.
0: <laughs> it's. <laughs> That's fine. It's
1: proper English name. Okay. Um, this is about a man called Peter Edwin Story. Okay. okay. So he was born on the 7th of September, 1945, in Farnham, Surrey, to Edwin, who was a carpenter and a builder, and Nellie, how cute, <laughs> a part-time <Aww>. shop assistant. <laughs> However, he began supporting Arsenal from an early age, and from the age of 11, he was coached by former Aldershot striker, Charlie Mortimer, who, if anyone fucking knows who that is, well done. Um <laughs> for the older shot. Of...
0: We're both like, okay, great.
1: Oh god, so out of my depth. Um for, so yeah, from the age apparently that was like really important. Uh for the older shot of okay. Faber Schools Football Association. He soon attracted the attention of Arsenal with his performances at schoolboy level and impressed across the back four enough to represent England schoolboys. So basically, he was fucking great at football since he was like a baby. <laughs> Okay. And I know like loads of people that were like, "Oh, I really want to. I really want to become a professional footballer." And they were like, "But if you're basically if you're past the age of twelve and it hasn't happened, then it ain't gonna happen." Because <laughs> they like, they, <laughs> like so yeah, they like scout. Yeah, they like scout people. So he turned professional at his boyhood club Arsenal in September nineteen sixty two and became the first team regular after making his debut in October nineteen sixty five. It was said about Peter. Off the field, he was shy and polite. On it, he was anything but, and could scare his own teammates to death. So apparently he was like a really aggressive, like, defender. Mm. Mm -hmm. So you didn't want him, like...
0: on the field, though, but not in real life. Yeah, no, not in real life.
1: So basically, you didn't want him, like, on you. You didn't want him marking you. This is him talking. So here are a few choice words which have been used to describe me. Assassin, bastard's bastard... (laughs) boot boy, bully, calculating, cold eyes, destructive, dirty, hatchet man, merciless, pernicious, rogue, ruthless, thug, and vicious. Sounds like quite a good, like,
0: wow. poem. Yeah. <laughs> but Also, <laughs> I'm scared.
1: <laughs> also, like, I think that's in uh, alphabetical order, so well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, Peter story is signed as an apprentice at Arsenal after leaving school in 1961. His marriage to his first wife, Susan, broke down six months, (laughs) six months in, in 1969. She left him for good in February 1971 after tiring of his his self-described boozy, carefree ways. So he spent 15 years at Arsenal winning the FA Cup in 1971. He also played for England versus Greece at Wembley Stadium for the the UEFA Euro on the 13th of May, 1972. Funnily enough, he met his second wife, wife, Kathy McDonald at this time (laughs) at London's Playboy Club in the same month that year. So he's just like sashaying into the Playboy Club like, yeah, I just won the UEFA Cup. (laughs) Who wants to go
0: on this? (laughs) Funny story. My mom worked in... My mom's English and she worked in London for a while in different pubs and stuff. And one of her... The women that she worked with was one of the first Playboy bunnies oh at my God. the London Playboy Club. Wow. That's yeah, cool. I thought that was pretty cool. I'd like yeah. to see some
1: photos of that. So around this time, Peter got injured in the penultimate league game, but he was determined to be fit for the FA Cup final at Wembley with only five days to go, though, to the game. He was struggling. Bertie Mee, his manager, conducted a fitness test. He was an excellent physiotherapist and lots of people were convinced he knew exactly what was required to get Peter to fail the test and tried everything he knew to make that happen um, because he mm. he didn't like him, basically. Um, wow. Despite being in incredible pain, Peter managed to pass the test anyway, but his ankle was still giving him pain and he only lasted for just over an hour before another player named Eddie Kelly came on to replace him and Arsenal went on to win the FA Cup. So that's got to okay. smart a little bit. So, Kathy, who he met at the Playboy Club, they began living together and got married in 1975. But things turned sour after he took a three year tenancy agreement out on the Jolly Farmers pub on Southgate Road in Hackney in London. I used to live around there, so I'm going to look up that pub and see where it, where it actually is because yeah, it might me still too. be there. Um, yeah. appar- apparently at the time lots of footballers were investing in pubs so he just followed suit along with his Arsenal teammates um, oh okay yeah he spent a lot of time at the pub and with the women who were there which meant his drinking got to unbearable levels and his marriage was starting to fall apart he couldn't be fit and sober long, long enough for his injury to heal and his football career was on the rocks he also invested in a minicab firm in Newington Green in London which failed <laughs> It's just like his life is just turning into a massive shit show, (laughs) which is a common theme. Dumping
0: his money down the drain.
1: It's a common theme among sports people, I feel, because they get paid so much money. Yeah. And like they get like a lot of money and a lot of fame in a short time. They just can't deal with it.
0: And I was talking about this the other day about how, especially in America, and it sounds like in soccer in in England, like you're recruited really young. yeah. and you're you're given all this money. You don't and have a chance to be normal. You don't have a chance to be normal, but also you're you're a you're basically a kid with a bunch of money. Yeah. And there's no chance for you to like grow up and and learn. And women
1: throwing everyone's... themselves at you as well.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Which is and men like who want to feed off your money or be you. Know, like he, it sounds like he's just right. He's just pumping money into businesses, and I'm sure there were people like, oh, yeah, I have a business idea. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm sure that happens a lot, too. And he's
1: pissed up, so he's like, yeah, all right, then.
0: <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and <laughs> there also, yeah, and also, like, imagine owning a pub. Sometimes I think that would be really fun. Yeah. Sometimes I think it'd be awful, but then other times when I'm feeling, like, quite sociable, I quite like the idea of being a hostess. Do you know what I mean?
0: I've thought about it. We've talked about it, too, like having that as a business but it's just a lot of late nights and i don't want to do that anymore no and
1: also if you in any way like booze then yeah you're fucked because you're just like drinking your profits like i used to work exactly. at, i used to work at the commercial tavern in um london and it was run by two alcoholics and mm. i mean that's just a story for a whole nother day
0: yeah <laughs> like,
1: so um in December 1976, him and Kathy had a daughter called Natalie. Mm-hmm. He got into fights with his management over pay and his injury, and then was put on the Arsenal reserve team. So he refused to train with the reserves and was suspended. So, like, obviously, he's got a bit of an ego at this point. He's like, yeah. I'm too good for the reserves. He then accepted a free transfer to Fulham Football Club in March 1977. And I'm pretty sure free transfer is just, like, resigning before you get fired. (laughs) Like, I don't know that much about football, but I think that's what it sounds. You know, it's like... you
0: weren't traded. You weren't traded. You weren't paid money. Just go here. It was your... Yeah. Yeah. Just
1: Just go away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, When Peter arrived at Fulham, he played 12 games for them. Then his final appearance as a professional footballer was in a 1-0 defeat Tottenham Hotspur at White Hart Lane. His contract with Fulham was cancelled in November 1977, and he announced his retirement from football. Now here's where it really goes wrong.
0: <laughs> okay. How old was he at this point? Uh, so he
1: was born in 1945. Uh, okay. Let me just double check that. So 30?
0: 30...
1: Yeah. So he's th- it's 77, so he's 32? No. Okay. No. Nope. <laughs> no. Nope. I'm just
0: like, oh, Okay. I don't know.
1: Oh, my God. I'm hungover. Like, don't ask me math questions. (laughs) I'm going to figure it out now, though, because I don't want to not do it.
0: Wait. This is how I do it. Look, 45 45 to 50. 50. 65, 75. Yeah, you're right.
1: 32. 32. I should have more faith in myself. Okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) okay. He turned to crime. When he started helping local gangsters, the Barry brothers, to counterfeit money by providing finance and storage of the cast die, which is what you use to pour the metal in to turn it into fake money. So it's just like literally Mm. like a, a mold for molten metal that turns it into fake money.
0: Okay. So he hid
1: that for them. But
0: it's for metal, so they were just making pounds, like one pound. Yeah.
1: It's much yeah, easier. It seems
0: like kind of a waste. <laughs> it seems like a
1: hard road. <laughs>
0: like, it's yeah. it's much
1: easier to forge coins than it is notes, obviously. Right. But, like, no...
0: the equivalent here in America would be, like, making $1 bills. Like, if you were going to make money, you'd want it to be bigger amounts. Like, $20 bills, not $1 <laughs> bills. you have know, to make a lot.
1: So there's this amazing program that I absolutely love called Bottom which I don't know if you've, like, mm. seen it before, but in, yeah. one, of, in one of the episodes, <laughs> Richie's really bored and he can hear loads of noise coming from Eddie's room and he's like, what are you doing in there? <laughs> and he goes in and he's been counterfeiting money. <laughs> it's like, he makes it, like, unbelievably pornographic so that when people see it, they're so shocked that they don't ask. <laughs> oh, my God. And he goes... Eddie, it's not even the right shape, And it's a triangle and he goes, That's Welsh money <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, They've got two friends called Hedgehog and Spudgun. <laughs> he goes He goes, Hedgehog, have a hundred grand <laughs> Spudgun, have two hundred grand, Richie, have a five pound seventy five note. <laughs> like, It's so good. Uh, God, I could talk about that episode for like another hour. So I'm just going to crack on.
0: Um, You you often send me bottom episode clips. Yes. Which is great. Yeah. Because I'd never really watched it all the way through.
1: Oh, I fucking adore it. Like after I've had my cry or my fag (laughs) at three o'clock, I usually pop pop on bottom as well to cheer myself up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So he's got involved with the Barry brothers who are um, London gangsters and they own the Regency nightclub which was a small nightclub at a restaurant that's in stoke newington and my friend ruth lives there And she's actually showed me where it is it's so close mm. to her house it's like yeah down the road and opposite basically
0: um yeah i used to live in stoke newington as well and oh have you seen remember it where it was
1: yeah so it's oh it was owned by the two barry brothers since 1960 who they paid mm. protection money to the cray twins if you um, would american people know who the cray twins are
0: I know the, who they are, and there's been a couple of movies about them, but I don't know if they're that widely known. If you're an American listener, let us know because I only know because I lived in England. Yeah. So, so I, I really don't know. I have no gauge of the Cray twins. They're really I don't interesting. Know how they are here. They are. Yeah. Super
1: interesting. So they're like, they're twins, they're gangsters. And like one of yeah. them was bisexual and just like didn't give a fuck and didn't hide it at all, even though it was like right. the right. hardest motherfucker ever. <laughs> like he would Yeah. Yeah, he was just like a really openly gay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: just... Yeah, there was a there was a movie a couple of years ago and Tom Hardy played both twins. Yeah. It's not he's... a very good movie, but I really liked uh... it. Okay. <laughs> like story structure wise, it's not that I think it's movie just because it had Tom
1: Hardy in that I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, exactly. He's That's nice to why look at. I
0: watched it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: So, um, they, anyway, they paid protection money to the Crazewins who were frequent visitors. The club was situated at 240A Amherst Road and it opened in 1959. It was run by the brothers John and Anthony Barry from 1960 until its closure in 1970. It was allegedly frequented by the likes of Lord Boothby. He was like a conservative MP, so like Republican. And him Mm -hmm. and Reggie Cray, I think it was Reggie, uh, just used to get it on (laughs) all the time. No, Ronnie. Him and and the gay brother Ronnie just used to get it on all the time. (laughs) And apparently Princess Margaret used to go there as well, which is fun.
0: This is a side note, but... I am watching a documentary. It's called Scotty Bowers and the Secret History of Hollywood. Oh, okay. Uh, He wrote a book, too. And he was basically like a a rent boy for everyone in Hollywood. (laughs) And (laughs) he just died, I think, this past year or something at like 93. But anyways, he talks about how... Who is that couple that left the royal family back in the 60s i believe um it's wallace simpson and... and king edward he yes. he abdicated so he so, could marry her yes and they came to hollywood and they hired scotty bowers and he would bring over his friends sometimes guys sometimes girls and just have like orgies not orgies but like Threesomes, and he gets really detailed about it. (laughs) I don't want to. I I want to like leave it for people because I think it's a really interesting documentary.
1: Okay, watching it. A hundred percent watching it. That sounds brilliant. I don't know how
0: accessible it is. Uh, I'll find out where you can watch it. But yeah, I have to (laughs) find
1: an illegal stream.
0: (laughs) Right, and if you can't get the book, because the the book is the movie, but not just the royal family or the royal that royal couple but other famous people in hollywood used him as well so so
1: weird i guess like i mean why would you why if you're famous and stuff i guess like you're paying for his um discreetness, maybe
0: yeah obviously not now he's told fucking everyone well everyone's (laughs) dead now so he's like yeah oh fair fair enough Um, um i think he talks about the actor Cary grant and he was like He's I'm from Bristol. Is he? Oh I don't know. know I could
1: that. be making that up. I'm pretty sure he is. <laughs> pretty sure he is. Wait there.
0: But he he was like, yeah, everyone in Hollywood knew. So me coming out with it in this book is not a big deal.
1: Cary Grant is from Bristol. Right. He was born in oh, Bristol. Okay. And there's like a little plaque like on his house where he Aww. used to live. Yeah, it's like, so basically being gay was illegal up until about fucking... I know, like the years. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. like fuck the year two thousand, but everyone was at it. Right. (laughs) Everyone was big time at it. So, um, he was arrested for this money, uh, fake money, like counterfeit money (laughs) thing. Whilst on bail, he decided to. I mean, this is just bad decision after bad decision. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He decided to set up a brothel (laughs) called the Calypso Massage Parlor (laughs) with three women. To try and raise enough money to flee to Spain to avoid his trial for conspiracy to produce counterfeit money, he was caught for this as well. <laughs> he was arrested and pleaded guilty to keeping a brothel on the twenty second of December nineteen seventy nine. Merry Christmas! <laughs> wow. I <laughs> was and was handed a seven hundred pound fine, which is a lot back back then. I'm assuming. And a six, yeah, and a six month suspended sentence. He was also briefly jailed for contempt of court after failing to appear at his bankruptcy hearings.
0: <laughs> he just doesn't give a oh my shit. Gosh. No. In September 1980,
1: the trial for conspiracy to produce counterfeit money came to a conclusion and Story was sentenced to three years imprisonment, which he served at Wandsworth Prison in London and Spring Hill Prison in Buckinghamshire. He was handed a 12-month suspended sentence in April 1982 for stealing two cars... <laughs> he had
0: he needs to chill out (laughs) he had on
1: hire purchase while running his minicab firm so he just basically like didn't pay for them and like ran away with them um he married somebody's marrying this man as well he gets married again he was single while all of that was that shit was happening i think he married his third wife jill shortly before the arrival of his son i think that was like a poke at the fact that she they he married her because he knocked her up the arrival of his son Peter Jr., who was born in November 1981, and with his second son Anthony, born on December 1982, and then he had another son called Jamie, who was born in September 1987. So they're busy. Whoa. He later divorced Jill and married a French woman called Danielle Scorsoletti. He later split from Danielle and got back together with Jill before leaving Jill again. <laughs> and his oh three my sons. Gosh. To so return, much drama. I know to return to Danielle some years later. I bet his sons are like, "Cheers, Dad. Yeah. You ob- you obviously care. You obviously gave half a shit what we thought."
0: <laughs> Is there a movie about this man? Because there should I, be. I feel like there should be. Yeah, yeah
1: no, there's not that I know of. He wrote like an autobiography in 2010, and it did not do well. <laughs>
0: really? Yeah. <laughs> It's really is funny. that because he wrote it and it wasn't written very well? I or... think so.
1: Yeah, there's okay. some extracts. Oh, Nobody cares. Basically, <laughs> yeah. After a time on unemployment benefits, he worked at a market stall in Portobello Road. In 1990, he was jailed for 28 days for attempting to import 20 pornographic videos from Europe, which he hid in a spare tire.
0: <laughs> what the hell?
1: Twenty videotapes is quite a lot of space. Like they're massive. Yeah. <laughs> They're not like USB sticks, like a VHS. I that,
0: yeah, and that would make some noise, like rattling around.
1: I think that's probably why I got caught.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: also, the days where you had to import a pornographic video, <laughs> like right. those. Those were the days. Um, <laughs> after his release, he worked as a minicab driver in Islington, ran by Tommy Adams, who was part of another gangster crime syndicate based in Clarkenwell called the Adams Family. Who are still working to this day and reportedly worth two hundred million pounds.
0: Wow! He has
1: such a weird life. He just knocks about with really weird people.
0: <laughs> he spent like attracts like Talisa.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, he spent nineteen ninety five. So weird. He spent nineteen ninety five in Istanbul working as a chauffeur. Muhammad Bill Khalifa Al Tani. Who is a member of the ruling Altani Qatari royal family and his entourage?
0: How, how is he getting around these places? I don't know. And then Also, into... what do, I really want to know what his children think of him and his ex wives.
1: Uh, yeah, they probably just think, you fucking weird loser.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my dad.
1: <laughs> He's a chauffeur for the Qatari royal family. Uh. He he got twenty eight days in prison for trying to import pornographic videos in attire. Like, basically, I was going through like there's a list of like um, sports people who have been um, convicted of crimes on Wikipedia, and the English list like isn't that good. It's nearly all rape. Like, <laughs>
0: it's like, yeah,
1: nearly all rape. Um, and then one of them is was uh, Vinny Jones. So you know he's okay. he, he's yeah. in like the X Men movies and stuff. And he used to play right. for QPR Queens Park Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> he's successful now. He's a successful actor.
0: Right.
1: But he used to like headbutt people all the time, like when he's playing football, <laughs> which is obviously not the rules.
0: <laughs> so
1: that would have been he funny, a but scary
0: it's... looking man though.
1: Yeah, he is fucking scary, but. That would have been funny, but not as funny as this fucking weird guy. So I was like, I decided to do this guy. In 2004, he moved to a village near Toulouse in southern France with Danielle. So he stayed with the French woman. Okay. And, he, and he sold much of his football memorabilia and medals for £20,000. And then uh, by 2010, so this, this kind of answers your question. In 2010, he's in regular contact with his three sons, but has not seen his daughter, Natalie, in decades, which is really sad. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to finish on a quote from Peter himself.
0: <laughs> okay. Who's speaking... still alive, right?
1: Yeah, he's still alive, yeah. So okay. I'm speaking about his downfall. He must be okay. fucking old, though, because, like, my mom was born in 1959, and she's, like, 61. 1945. So, so he's... 45. He's, he's fuck's sake, why are we yet. doing this again? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. 55 65 75
1: 85 95 2005
0: 2015 <laughs> five more years he's 70 something he's yeah. in his 70s yeah
1: okay well thank <laughs> you for doing that for me um so this is what he said about himself i was never a criminal mastermind yeah think <laughs> really <laughs> but rather a foolish former footballer with more money than sense it sounds so big time and so glamorous, doesn't it? All I did was lend some money to blokes I thought were going to make a few quid by knocking out cheap imitation jewellery. <laughs> That's a lie. You knew they were making fucking counterfeit money. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Also, like, Arsenal are such a popular team in England. They are. So they are. many people support Arsenal. Like, it's ridiculous.
0: When I lived in London... When Arsenal played, I could hear the stadium.
1: Yeah, it's their big deal. Like, it's like Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea, they're like all the big... Usually people support one of those three because they always win the league. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking like I know what I'm talking about. I fucking do not.
0: The amount of times that I had to sit and watch Manchester United
1: play... I find watching uh... football so boring as well, like... Like, That's the
0: thing, like, w- I love sports, but I would rather be playing them or I'd rather be at the game. I don't want to watch it on TV. It's boring.
1: I've been to a game before. I went to, I was a kid, and I went to London and I watched West Ham play, which is a London team. It's like my stepdad's team. And that was really good. And, like, the atmosphere is really fun. And you get, like, a pie and stuff <laughs> like-
0: so it's like, it is yeah. Good. I used to play. I used to work at the Ipswich Stadium in Ipswich. Oh yeah, you
1: told me that. Yeah. Under your long list of weird fucking jobs that you sometimes come I out know. with. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, it's I did. T- well, I did taxidermy in Coventry.
0: Fuck. <laughs> 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 we should do a bonus episode for our Patreon about the the different jobs that we've done. And
1: Jesus, the commercial tavern—that's got some stories. <laughs> that's got yes. some stories yeah yes there's an episode of most haunted with the commercial tavern on it oh my god and the guy he's like an absolute like snake oil seller he's dead now oh. he's called david acora and yeah. he like does like a basically paranormal shows where he's like i can talk to the dead and stuff and um he goes to the commercial tavern and like I'll save it for the episode but the shit he says is fucking ridiculous <laughs>
0: Uh, i'm totally gonna look up that episode i love that show
1: and like that pub it had a tunnel that was in the cellar that went to the police station over the road and i could never walk more than like four steps into it without shitting myself and running away
0: (laughs) yeah i used to work i had the same thing i worked in a pub in angel in london yeah and it was like built in the Thirteen hundreds or something. Yeah, Every yeah. time I went into the basement, I hated going down. In there. I know, like, because you have. If so you've ever creepy. worked,
1: if you ever worked in a pub, you have to go down there to do the bottling up, don't you? So at the end of yeah. the night, you go down and you get like, what are we missing from the fridges now? Like, we need like right. three more bottles of white wine or whatever. So you go right. write a list and then you go to the cellar and get everything that you need. And then you come up and then you refill the fridge. Like, yeah. That is for you lucky people who've never had to work in a pub.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or you had but, to um, reattach, like, when the the beer ran out, the keg.
1: Yeah, yeah so you have to, like, to yeah, go, go and reattach, re-attach it. That. Yeah. Um, Change the barrel.
0: Yes. It's cool,
1: isn't it? Yeah, and you used to go that. And, like, because you're so busy, you can, you have to do it on your own.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can't go, can someone, and they don't want, and, like, the owners of the pub don't want two people down in the cellar because they're like, what are you stealing? Right. Because there's just right. like crates and crates and crates of booze down there. So they don't want yeah. more than one person down there at a time anyway. And it, yeah, it's creepy as fuck. I used to do it as quickly as I could. As quickly <laughs> as I humanly could. Like, yeah. to get out of there. Because it used to shit me up so much. Yeah, let's definitely do a Patreon episode on all our fucking shit weird jobs. That'll be fun.
0: Okay. Yeah. And we're also going to do a Patreon episode. Uh, I'm going to give you a tarot reading.
1: I'm so excited for that. I'm so mm. excited.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's something that we could end on is... Yes. Thanks for listening and sign up to our Patreon. We have a lot of bonus content coming.
1: Yes, we do, definitely. All right then, Rach. Well, um, I'm going to get some dinner because I'm absolutely starving and hungover. But um, have a great rest
0: of your day. Yeah. See you next week. Yeah. Bye, mate. Bye. Thanks for listening to Transatlantic Crime this week. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us
1: on Twitter at Transat Crime Pod, Instagram at Transatlantic Crime, and on Facebook with Transatlantic Crime Podcast.
0: Thanks. Bye. <laughs>